This podcast is brought to you by UK Coaching, here for the coach. Visit ukcoaching.org to grow your coaching skills and be part of the community. Today, we're going to have a look at the importance of that person-centered approach, um, that key element, along with some of the key principles uh, that UK coaching have around the, the word people. So we'll dive into those in a bit. Um, I would really like to introduce our guests and our guests are, I've had the privilege of meeting and chatting to, to this group. So I think as Craig put it nicely uh, last week, he said, you're going to have trouble shutting us up, Jen. Um, so we've got Anna Jackson, a UK coaching ambassador, an incredible international basketball coach, Paralympian and owner of Believe a Coaching. And Anna's on the other side of uh, Curious Coaches Club today because I've seen her in some fantastic input over the last couple of weeks. Um, CEO, founder of Our Parks, born uh, Barcore, like absolutely um, phenomenal entrepreneur. And you'll get the, the vibrancy from his interaction as soon as we connect today. And I have the privilege of working with Craig Blaine, who's our third guest today. But in all the the uh, fingers in all the pots today, he's got uh, his own personal running cycling coach background. He's in, a prominent figure in the health and physical activity design um, across a number of uh, UK campaigns and inside UK coaching policy and partnership manager. So today we're going to look at the, the great coaching principles, but in a little bit more detail around behaviours and maybe check and challenging, you know, do we know how we're perceived by the adults and the people that we coach if you're not coaching adults at the moment. So Anna, uh, Bourne and Craig, you are very welcome to our session today, as are all our guests and attendees. So uh, before we start... I would really like to see from the chat box if everyone could just give us a little bit of a, maybe in a sentence or a word, who you're actually coaching or going to be coaching, hopefully, when um, all sports return fully to, um, to fully train. So if we could just keep our eye on the chat box and whenever you get a second, just pop in who you're coaching and we'll get a, an idea today and that'll kind of help us shape your questions on the session with Anna Bourne and Craig. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for getting us rolling there. Hockey, brilliant. 17 performance. Interesting age group as well. Oh, National League adults. Brilliant. University students in rowing. Fab, rugby, humans, rugby, Anita, Stuart Ball. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, what a range, Anita. Neil. Yeah. Oh, try as well. Fab, we're getting more in there, 19s. So we've got quite a range here today. I think it's really important for us. I mean, we're we're lucky with um we're lucky with the range and experience that we have uh with all you guys today. But if I could jump to you, Craig, first, what prompted the design of the um great coaching behaviors? Um and I, I know when the first slide pops up here, people can have a quick recap and reminder of the people, the person centered, empowering, um, organized, positive learning and, and uh engaging. What what prompted the behaviour part of that, if you don't mind? Well, I think in firstly thanks and thanks for having having me on this on this Curious Coaches Club. And and one of the one of the things that really prompted developing a set of behaviors that sit behind the principles so as you can see on the screen here hopefully there are six principles that uk coaching have and you can articulate or you can understand them in so many different ways but when we were speaking to participants in developing these behaviors or the principles at least what people were telling us is what they could see um, and i know from conversations with with born that we've have had on previous elements 
that's really important because to a degree, and it isn't everything, but to a degree, coaching is a performance. And it's what people see that gives them potentially confidence to engage for the first time or gives them the, the confidence to continue to engage or get their friends to come along or feel empowered or, or feel as if they're learning things. So it was just a different way, a different approach of getting across what great coaching looks like. And because behaviours are what the participants taking part see, it felt a much more natural way of getting their voice heard effectively. So when you attend that session and it's a great coaching session, what happens? And the things that we heard loads were the behavior that you see in front of you here, really. So another way, maybe you could call it innovative, um, but another way of just translating theory into practice. That's what I would say, Jen. Wow, nice summary. And there's so many areas we can kick off from there. Um, it me actually, um, I remember reading something before around this um, Goffman and talking about the, the kind of the dramatizing of self that you are putting on a performance when you go to coach, no matter who's in front of you. Um, a nice segue, actually. Bourne, um, I've heard you speak about the innovative ways that you develop the people who work for you, your activators, your um, engagement with the Parkers. What, how, or how important important then is a great coaching experience in your industry oh thanks for having me on the show um yes you know what? It, it's it's so important because if, we, if we're going to be engaging people that are disengaged so for the audience um our parks runs outlook size classes targeting active people across the uk we have over 150,000 people that do it every week and we call them parkers so the idea of that concept to say that if it's going to be free, so that it has to be good, because we had a barrier of saying, why is it free? And if it's free and rubbish, it will be, oh, it's free and rubbish. I knew it would be, I knew, I knew it was going to be like that. So we decided that our coaches were going to be the, the center or the organism that's going to make our parks really thrive and grow. So then back to that performance part. So it was, if only way to make that happen is to treat the coaches as a performance. So give them the skills that they need, one, to deliver great sessions, two, to really engage with the people that are taking part, and most importantly, three, leave them with that wow moment for them to come back into all their friends. So we, we really worked on not only giving them the technical ability, but there's those soft skills, which you, at the time you wasn't being taught when you were doing your fitness personal training course. You're being taught how to lift efficiently, how to check that they've been inducted in the right way. But then you're stuck in a field with 50 people in front of you and it's not a Smith machine. What do you do? Um, so we really had to kind of take it from another angle to say, um, my, my, one of my best coaching experiences when I was an athlete and my coach um, took a session in the park and he threw a bunch of cones all over the place. And it just looked busy, but really, really contained. I said, what, what we're going to be doing. And look, this looks amazing. And he said to me, and I always remember this, he said, it's not about what we're going to be doing. It's about what everyone thinks we're doing when they see the structure that we've put together. Why are you guys going to feel like you belong to be in a big open space? But to everyone looking in, they be like, that's pretty cool. I, I want to get involved. And that's when I realized, because we work in outdoor spaces, that performance part is so important. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to come back 
to some parts of that later as we as we flick through, but that's a super snapshot of, of where you're at. Um, you mentioned briefly there, and Anna, if I can jump to you on this, a great coaching experience. Um, what what is great coaching to you? So I know the words I've just brought up there, um, and Bourne has alluded to a few from his own personal. But for you, what what brought you into that avenue of coaching, and what does great coaching look like? Uh, yeah. So um, how did I got into coaching? I'm an ex uh, ex hockey player, hockey coach, then ended up in wheelchair basketball after having umpteen knee surgeries. Um, so carried kind of carried on coaching when I got into playing wheelchair basketball. And and it's interesting because it obviously since we started to plan this session, I was thinking about what is it what is it about me as a coach that 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 works that people like. And actually, it the first thing I wrote down actually was about being real. So for me, it's about me being me when I'm a coach, so that I don't walk in a sports hall or suddenly turn into this completely different person. I'm me with the, with my players, whatever age they are. Um, and I think if I'm real with them, I get real people back. Um, and it is about for all those all those categories, the the person centered, empowering all those for me, they all fit into my sessions. But I think probably the focus for me is that it's it's all about person centered really for me. Um, and and so a, a good session that I deliver feels like I've involved everybody and hopefully looks the same. So if people are watching from the outside and it's it's interesting that Bourne said it's about a it's about performance and you want people to look from the outside at your session. I hope that's how people look at our sessions from the outside. If they're looking over the balcony in a sports hall or what's the parents sitting on the sideline. Um, yeah. So for me, it's about real. Where real. Our coaches are real and I'm real. Gosh, that's, uh, that's amazing. And I mean, with those two um, snapshots of your own personal um, experience, I, I think what's really going to come out of today is not just the words and actually how people can contextualise, how people can take that and go, right, am I checking in with this, this and this? How, What does that look like in my setting? And, you, you know, as you said there, Anna, like I've had with the coaches that I work with conversations about how many interactions they have in a session. Sometimes you mic, sometimes you video. And they think, oh, no, I'm definitely chatting to everybody. No, I definitely, that person asked. And then they're like, oh, oh, <laughs> I'm hearing a different, oh, I didn't ask it that way or changing up my question. So the importance of being real and, and the, I, you know, the I don't know everything, which sometimes, you know, as you get older, the fear is that possibly the adults will be checking in a little bit more, um, a little bit shrewder on things. But yeah, very interesting. We'll, we'll develop that as we go. Craig, if I could jump to you, um, if that's yeah, okay. The, we'll kick us off in the person-centered. So how do I achieve that? How do I approach that as a coach? I'm going in, um, I've got adults in, in whatever capacity that they're looking to to learn and engage in physical activity. How do I achieve that? Well, I, what I want to do is I want to bring it to life in, in a real world situation. So you can see on the screen the, the four behaviors and the way this graphic you're looking at um, works is the two tips relating to a behavior. So the behavior is in the how do I achieve it? And then the two tips above that or below it respectively are just some tips on how to bring it to life in your session. So if I use an example from my uh, running group that I coach, so coaching running fitness, um, supporting people to either start running for the first time, be able to get to the next lamppost without stopping, all the way through to developing them from 10k up to half marathons is probably the longest distance I've taken people. And person-centered is about investing the time to understand the individual and where they're coming from. And often I find, particularly with adults, that the connection required um, is far greater than when coaching younger people or even 
coaching athletes that are performance minded. Um, so the majority of the runners that come along to my sessions are what we may define as recreational runners. They're not in it to win the race, although they're taking part in an event where they'll get they'll have a time and a position. They're just in it to get something out for for themselves. So purely internally, intrinsically motivated. And the the investing time to understand them. Um, some brilliant TV, which I live in Cheshire, um, and some brilliant TV for us, which you can debate yourself, is The Real Housewives of Cheshire. It is brilliant, and it is the glue that keeps one particular running group together. And we invest probably about 10% of the time of a training session in when it's on, because it's not on at the moment, it's quite hard for us at the moment, but when it's on, debating and discussing what went on in that TV programme. Um, and through that conversation, I switch my ears on to the way in which the more talkative individual in the group has potentially gone quieter or the way that the quieter person in the group is jumping up and down and can't wait to contribute to the conversation. And these are all little things that will allow me when we're going through the session that we have planned to tap into. So it's not necessarily about what motivates them, what drives them in that sense. Sometimes it's as simple as how's your week been? Um, but because you can use that to your favor at different points when it's relevant and when it's going to have the most impact, it really, really does pay dividends in the end. So it's not always about the performance. And I don't know technically the thing that we're talking about, let's say. Um, it's just having those conversations. And, and one of the behaviors that's on that is about understand when to communicate with your participants or your athletes. Um, because you may be sitting on reams and reams of information you could give them, but you need to know when to step in and when to have that word or when to wait before you progress to the next point. So I think that's really critical and it brings to life person-centered for me. Absolutely. It brings to mind for the, the, um, the, the line we might use around the art, the science and the craft of coaching, definitely an, um, a massive combination of all of those pulling them in. And, and Neil yeah. made a great point complimenting what you're saying there around the adults that he finds in the master's swimming are hungrier to learn than kids. And that one pointer can make a slight difference um, and they're happy and that they feel accomplished, that they've accomplished something. I think that is really important. And um, Bourne, you mentioned there about soft skills. Um, and I guess that's from an employer point of view to your coaches to empower them and then for them hopefully to empower um, the, the people that, that are in front of them. What kind of training does that involve or what kind of conversations do you have with um, your leaders, your activators? Um, so we really focus on social media with our leaders because, again, the, the way in which we coach has changed so much over the past 10 years. and Fortunately for us, we're in an age where we can spy on our participants, on our athletes, and we can find out just how they're feeling by following them back on Instagram or Facebook. So what, what, what we taught our, our coaches was they had to do social media training, so we taught them how to take photos and um, what platforms they should be on based on the population of the park is what they're using. And that's amazing. So now we can find out how they really felt about that session. So if they, they finish a session and they post a story, great session, and then the coach says, oh, you work really hard, and comments back, that's what we're doing. Suddenly, you're not only you make, making it personal, but you're making it personal in their environment, on, in their channels that they want to communicate with, and it's so important. Like if I, if I, all I can say is, 
if you really want to know what your athletes are doing what your coach and what your parkers are doing you should really be following them and if they, they follow you you should be following them and you should be engaging with them in a session with a story with a photo and then when they're posting wearing their turn up turn up t-shirts and we like it and we tweet it suddenly it feels personable to them and you're really going to make them come back and enjoy that session even more and when it, and when they had a tough session or bad session they say it was, it was a tough session you say but you work really hard so next week you'll come out stronger again you've, you've done it again you've done it without even having to leave your house sometimes and i think what happens is in life when coaches start to coach we almost sometimes discount the stuff that we do anyway to promote ourselves and what we should be saying whatever you do in your life to promote yourself back to keeping it real and said you still need to do that in your coaching because that transition makes you above any other coach that's still doing it the way we used to do it 20 years ago um and there's not a problem with that but i'm saying the new breed of coaches would do things so much differently well inspirational um where that's coming from um anna how does that sound to you in your world uh the empowering element and how important is it for you to work on that in your sessions i think it's massive if you look at um some of the players i get coming through into disability sport they might have been born with a disability might have developed a disability they might have been the kid that hasn't been able to take part in school because of their disability or they're, they're coming into our sport. So our our club has a mix of players, like somebody said before, from 50 to 50 to, to 75. We've got a real mix of players. Um, and it is all about how do we, I guess, how do we meet them part way? So it's certainly not about me as the coach going, this is what we're doing, this is what's right. It's actually what do they want? And we're quite a development level club, really. And I used to have a real dilemma about, well, people will judge my coaching on the players that I'm coaching, whereas actually I've completely turned that around and gone, what I'm doing is working to be better for those players. So that it is about, I want to learn more about them, I want to know more about them as people. Um, I love the comments about social media, actually. That's really made me stop and think, because it, we do interact with some of our players via social media, and some of them follow us, and some certainly some of them follow me, because quite active on Twitter and I've got a, an athlete Facebook page. So, um, and players love it. They love it when you have that little bit of communication with them or you say, oh, I saw you did this or, or you've done that or they comment on a session. I think that's, I think that's, that's a really, maybe something I've not even thought about actually. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it is interesting. I think sometimes when people are maybe involved with um, younger athletes and there's issues and and safeguarding around, it's not the, it's not at the forefront. But I can definitely say if somebody if I've gone to a session, I post about something, and that is the motivator for me. So it makes sense. And it's a, um, a great link. Appreciate that, Anna. And I it's it's brought me to my next um, my next question. I'll stay with you, Anna, momentarily, if that's okay. It, with the range of athletes that you have or participants that you have in front of you. How does that change your planning for the session? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it's. Um, I I was sort of saying this the other day that if I can look at sessions, sometimes I can have our six and seven year olds training with our seniors, obviously safely and appropriately, and have got big guys battering little kids. Um, as you know, wheelchair basketball is this lovely gentle sport, and we don't crash into each other. Um, but it's, it is about it being appropriate. And actually, sometimes we can get a six or seven year old with really good skills better skills than the adults so 
when I plan my sessions, it's we have two hour slots on a Saturday and we all warm up together. So everybody does their individual fundamental skills on their own, but together so that the kids can look to the adults, the adults can help the kids. And it's a real, it's a lovely, lovely environment. And then we might split it up. But what we do is the, the juniors will do the same as the adults just in, in their half of the court. So they'll have a lower basket and smaller basketballs, but they're doing the same drills as the adults. So the kids don't feel like they're just doing kiddie stuff. The adults get to show off a little bit and we have competitions amongst the two groups and actually it's usually the kids that beat the adults, but it kind of motivates everybody really. Um, so you do, I think when I'm planning a session, like Saturday morning is my session planning time for Saturday night. I'm sitting there kind of thinking, right, who have I got? Because I can have such a broad spectrum of ages and abilities, but it, sometimes it's just about trying things actually. And the things that maybe I think are right and would be better for the kids, actually the adults like more. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit more, I think you have to just be a bit more flexible. Yeah, and I mean, I'm giggling because that's that exact comment that from three weeks ago with Anthony and the, the five to eight year olds, and then even last week again, it's like, I'm, it's okay to fail and try again. So it's not going to be failure if you're learning and we're, and we're meandering that path. And everybody's had a different experience before they arrive at your session that day. So those questions that we talked about already and tuning in and you grounding yourself, putting on the, the cloak, whatever you need to do to get ready for the session, but then trying things. And if they work, they work. Um, and then I think it's all part probably of the reflective process. Um, and that leads me to the, the third principle around being organized. And if I could come to you there, um, Craig, if you don't mind, I'm going to just go to Neil's question. I see the other ones and I'm definitely going to move around different people. But um, Neil's put here, when new masters or adults join your club, do you use something as simple as a questionnaire to find out more about their upbringing, history and sport? Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Um, yes, in short, I, I use processes to find out about it, but I think in part alluding to where Anna was going with that informality of the approach, um, often where I'm trying to glean information, whether it be for a new participant and, and doing kind of a park use or physical activity readiness questionnaire or understanding about their training age or their development age, um, it's framed through a conversation. It's not, I've got a clipboard and a form and I'm, I'm taking down your details um, because that information I really think about in the same vein as Bourne was going with using social media. It's what medium is best to get, gain information of that sort. So if it's a form, you could send them that as a text or, or set up a, a um, using WhatsApp, set up a survey where you can get information from them. But the bit that really drives people and hooks them in, which is the second part to what Neil mentioned, it's that in it's that personal approach that is informal. So new information, absolutely, we ask for framed through a conversation, often back to empowering to a degree the participants. That's given as a role to individuals within my session as well. So um, it's it's a little bit of a tangent, but I have um, fishers. This is the title that we came up with because there are people that come along to both the cycling group and the running group that will come fully kitted, booted out, ready to go. They will ride or jog past the group and they'll be checking us out to see, do I fit in? Is that the right one for me? And if they decide in that point that it's not for them, they will carry on going and just go home. So our fishers are sent out and they go and grab that person and walk alongside them and have a conversation or ride alongside them and have a quick chat. 
and irrelevant of whether they plan to come to the session or not, two things occur. Firstly, they're aware that our group is there, so you can come back and take part if you wish to. Bearing in mind context here, running group is from outside a supermarket, the cycling group is from outside a cafe. So we're in public spaces, we're not in a, a, a formalized venue per se. Or secondly, the fisher will hook them and bring them back in. That's the point, that's the point of it. So connection is what drives it, and the personal touch is the bit that works. Forms, clipboards, in my experience at least, don't work with an adult audience as well as we might think they do. Mm. That's really interesting. Um, I, I think when I look at the coaches that I've worked in the last couple of years, particularly in the performance space, organised is the one that they tick off. If we're to talk about the coaching principles or behaviours, yeah, I'm organised. Yeah. I've got my Excel, I've got this, I know where our funding's coming in, I know what um, the goals are of all the athletes, tick, 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 tick. Not, not as flippant as that, but they're really confident about it. And it's when, linking to Anna's point and coming to yours, Craig, there, it's when I say to them, well, where does, uh, where does the conversation happen? How does the check-in happen? Um, and you, can you put that as a scheduled part of your session if, if they need to be, if it can't be as as fluid if it's a new kind of integration into their session and I think it's really it's really been something for a lot of the coaches that's been a, a massive help a massive yeah. kind of relief for them to go actually you know what I am going to portion 10 or 15 minutes at the start or the end of the session even if it's only 60 minutes or if we're on training camp if it's in a performance space and I do need to have that time that says no this is as important as the tech tack this is as important as the SNC that I understand, or the session itself, that I understand the motivations, um, what's happened the week, the month leading up to this. Um, and I know there's a couple of people who are with us today who, who I've worked with before who have used questionnaires. They've talking about linking with social media. They haven't done the clipboard, but they send out a Google uh, yeah, yeah. questionnaire with just a couple of questions some some have done it before the session an hour a couple of hours before to get a vibe of what's happening what's coming and maybe a couple of rating scales and others where there's a longer period between the sessions i've said you know what i'm going to use it as a connector if there's you know if it's only once a month or once every eight weeks sometimes there's camps so um yeah, I really appreciate that, Craig. It's, it's brought a load of things to life in my yeah. here. Um, Born, if I could come to you next, and there's two questions that are, are coming up. One's from Anita there. Do you find you can engage with your older participants in the same way as younger participants? Um, and then I suppose linking to Neil's question, have you thought about the hooks? So probably on the feedback that you got, continue with the social media, but what are your thoughts on those, Bourne? Yeah, sure. Um, so with the older people, so we have different platforms for different parks. We have different forms of engagement. So generally, when we go to an a older um, generation, um, Facebook is probably what we would always use, if I'm honest. And um, we, in, for us, they actually perform better because if we set up a Facebook group um, with a Parker volunteer manning that group, it performs better because they have more time and they really get passionate about it if they like it. So I, w I would never say tech is a barrier to the older people. There are different hooks to get them in. So in terms of we would do different things to find the, the parkers where maybe more offline, but once they're in, we would then almost, I don't want to say educate them, but we then would open them up to being on the online and digital platform to help grow that, grow that um, session. Um, and in terms of the hooks, so what you're referring to in terms of the hooks for the second question, sorry? Yeah, I think I think you kind of alluded to it there, like the sticky 
the the, the hooking them in, the, the one yeah. I come back in, you know, the social media part. But I love the fact that it's it's a connecting with social media and not saying that everybody's savvy. I know we're talking about, you know, generation this, that and the other and everyone's in. And, you know, it is it has been um, forced upon with, you know, needing apps for everything to get into left, right and centre. But it's I love the fact that it's meeting them where they're at and then saying, well, if Facebook works better, this is, you know, and you can opt in or opt out of anything. But the hook being you've um, you've obviously evaluated, have you? The, the mechanisms and the, the route that you're taking and that's the hook for them being part of a sense of belonging being part of a group yeah definitely um and also uh, again it's also back to the fishing point i, I love that craig and i've, I've we've, been, we've been unintentionally fishing but we didn't know we didn't have a word for it so we would do the same thing we'd have the banner up and um when people came by and took a photo of the banner or stopped instead would make it our, our mission to someone or Parker to run over and say, it's best when a Parker does it because it's like someone in a session saying, please go over, it's really good. And they say, wow. And the coach should even tell them to do that. They're still, they're still on their own back. Um, so yeah, I, I love that term, by the way. I'm going to start using that. Yeah, one. I thought, yeah. But you do do that, don't you? Like I know when I'm at the, um, at the park, if I'm doing a dog walk in the morning and the afternoon, I'm looking around and if there's a banner or someone's having, if I hear noise basically, or I see any balls flying, I'm like, ooh, what's happening over there? Who's coaching who? What's, you know, and I'll, I'll bring the dog over that way. To see. Um, and it is like, there was a comment earlier made that the current members and their passion as well as, the um the motivation from and the connection of the ad, the coaches to them i think that's that's a brilliant package isn't it to have um and if i could come to you next on the next one positive is the next p that we have in in the people acronym around great coaching behaviors I mean, I mean, we've we've all had bad days. We've all been tired. We've all been, you know, energy in our socks, ready to go. Right? How how do I motivate myself? And how do I achieve positivity in this session and in a longer period of time? Because I do think coaching is a vocation. I think you know, for to get involved and to be to be passionate and to get your passion across and all that positivity. Like, what does it look like for you? How do you how do you get that going for and bring across your positivity for the participants you have? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it, when you, you think about it? Because what what I don't want to be is that kind of yay, well done, and just it being a bit cheesy and a bit over the top. But actually, we just even our warm ups are just fun. There'll be silly games in there that actually get everybody's energy levels up and get them all having a laugh and a joke and shouting at each other or calling silly silly terms within the game or something with each other um and i think it for me it's about it's about rewarding the players so i'm i am very much not about you've scored lots of points you're the best player you're going to get all the praise for me it's about people's whole performance so if they've if they've tried really hard and they've they've done something i've asked them to then they'll get just as much praise as somebody else if if somebody's doing that i'm just going to score all the baskets and they might not actually get the praise from me but for me, it's about rewarding those little wins that players have. So sometimes it's even just turning up and being on time and being really positive that they've made it there, but but recognising it. And then I think that that fuels them to then do it again. Um, yeah. I think I think for me, life is life has been so crazy over my coaching journey that there's been times when I've turned up and gone, we take a real deep breath now and get on the court. But actually, once I'm in the middle of it, I just it's it's like I can leave everything else at the door. Um, I want them in in the middle of training and playing. And I often get in my basketball chair and I'm training with everybody else. So I'm not just standing there or sitting there coaching them. It's 
I'm part of what's going on. So if I'm bored and not enjoying it, then chances are they're going to be the same. So, um, it, and I think that I made some notes before about the positive stuff. It's it's that two way thing as well. So for me, it's about making sure if somebody does something good, they get they get some praise for it. But actually, I want the coaches, the players to tell me if they've enjoyed doing something. So we'll often have a chance to go, well, actually, how did you find that? What did you think about that? And what could we change, improve, do again? So if I get the positive back from them and they get it from me, it kind of just builds. Yeah, that's, um, it's brought so many thoughts to my head there and I'm smiling away because, you know, there's, I've definitely had in the basketball world that white line syndrome. So I've been like the crankiest person or something has just really annoyed me and I get over the white line and I'm like, wow, new energy. I'm here, you know, and I, I could step off the course and it probably isn't as bad. I'm uh, the situation before I came in, but something, you know, as as energizing as a session to that you're really passionate about and then feeding. I guess if we look at the person centered and the empowering, if you think of I, I, when I say power, I think of that kind of dynamic and that's not what I want to, to get to. But it's that that blessing that you have um to instill or support or a guide with the passion that you have that puts a smile on someone else's face like it's just so powerful that you know by look by understanding the motivations and i found i did a small stint in london of um coaching basketball and we started off with five or six adults saying you know what after after i used to play and after i work in central london i want to come in and i was already playing with the club so i said listen i'll do that wednesday night slot it's a cool really cool gym that was opened but i think it was by, by michael jordan and lebron james in central london in Vauxhall. and um i said yeah i'll go in really cool gym and i had five and then i think about a month later we had 35 and i'd you know i'd be energized early on a Wednesday thinking of 35 people who want to come now who knows what they learned and what they didn't learn but we had great fun they were sweating <laughs> they felt like they got a workout and they got to re-engage with something a vehicle of sport that they had before so um but it was it was little things I remember tuning into like trying to learn everyone's name so I'm I'm actually saying you know something to like oh great job Anna great to see you Craig how's it go born like having people go oh yeah they, they know my name and that's yeah it's great and then I imagine at the time if I was smart enough I would have put a social media but I didn't born and I didn't know you back then damn it so um anyway moving swiftly Craig um learning learning the the I mean the big L right you know do we label everybody as a learner when you know we had um um, a UK coaching conversation with Nick Shackleton Jones a couple of Jesus sorry four weeks ago now and he said about learners and labeling people as learners and it really got me thinking that you know if we put people into that box there's pressure on them to become a learner the pressure on them to take something away and actually people coming to just enjoy engage we know that it's been banded around for a younger age group about what fun is and what enjoyment is and we know there's value in it but you know, how do I, as a coach, achieve that standard where there's a learning element or an environment or space for people to learn? It, the thing that springs to mind for me straight away, and I'm not sure whether this is um, a direct answer to the question, but identifying what your strengths are is really, really important for me. So back to kind of cycling all the way back through the, the principles that we've looked at so far, back to being person-centered. One of the questions that I often ask at the start of sessions for individuals in conversation is what are we working on today? So it's not about what your big 
aspirational goal is or what potentially is a collective we're working on. It's what are you working on today? And that might be, I've had a terrible week at work and I'm tired. So all I'm working on is getting back and being able to breathe. Or I'm actually really wanting to work on pace and hitting negative splits, which for those that may not know is progressively getting faster through every kilometre that you run. Um, and that requires a real skill of being able to run slower than you are capable at the beginning and then and then quicker and quicker and quicker. So what are you working on today really helps. And identifying your strengths back to learning is is one of the bits that I often use as part of a frame for reflection. And I really liked, I can't remember, but I'll try and find and share, um, potentially if there's a blog on Connected Coaches after here, the, the source of this. But identifying your strengths, and for me, this really resonated as strength was defined as something that you're good at, but you enjoy to do. And the example that I saw was about somebody that's good at spotting grammatical errors in a Word document. They're good at it. The person in their organization, they stand out head and, above, uh, head and shoulders above everybody else, and they always get this work sent to them, but they hate doing it. So it's not really a strength. So the definition of strength was you're really good at it, but you also enjoy doing it. Um, and I define that as part of learning as well, because the two sports that I work in, running I understand to be known as a foundation skill. It, it features in part of every sport, you could argue. So as soon as you know how to run, it's identifying what your strengths are within that running. So are you really strong in terms of mind and your resilience so you can really hammer yourself and in that last quarter mile or whatever distance measure it might be, you know you can hold on to it. So that's your strength. That's your superpower to work towards. Um, so I, that's one angle I take on learning. It's not always about skill development or it's not always about creating or developing a new skill from its, its source. It's about identifying what your skills are and where your strengths lie, because that might actually, looking at it that way around, reform what you do. It might change the way that you strategically or tactically approach a longer ride if it's hilly or flat or whatever it might be. So that's that's something for learning for me. Um, and it doesn't always happen. That's something I've come to learn. This idea of reflection, you may do it in activity or you may do it on activity. Um, you might get to the end of a session and you've learned nothing. So what you learned is you don't always learn something. Um, so there are two points that I would I would put. But in that there. you know that's really interesting because in in the world I think even the world of webinars as I called it for six months of the, the COVID period, I kept getting the questions um, you know asked or uh, I've seen through different webinars. What's your takeaway today? What's your takeaway today? What's your takeaway today? Or and I mean I would love and I have done in the sessions I've hosted ask people to summarize to give people a takeaway, but. You know, as we've all experienced in some session, you might have a plan and, a, and an outcome or hopeful an outcome or objective there. And somebody, adult, child, whatever age group, will go, oh, yeah, but I also thought about this in the session. And it's completely left field of where the session was. You're like, brilliant. I'm glad you took that on, you know. So and it could be that if you do think, you know, at the moment, I've not learned anything. I've not taken anything away. You know, a week or two weeks, a month down the line, you go, hmm, maybe, or maybe that wasn't something that, that style or how it was presented that interested me. So um, I totally get that that, uh, yeah. that part of the expectation that's there. Yeah. There's a, the, a slightly a slightly different angle on it as well. A, a video I was watching, and it's part of some of the content actually around great communication. So how to have a great conversation. And one of the points raised in a, a TED talk was around 
all these ideas of do certain things to show that you're listening, nod and lean in and stuff like that. But the joke of it is, if you genuinely are listening, you don't need to show these things that you are listening because you're doing it. Um, and in turn of listening and thinking, um, ideas will come into your head and they'll leave your head. Don't try and hold on to them because as soon as you go, oh, that's a thing, I've got to remember it for the end of this session and the reflection that we do. If it's left your head again, it might come back around. And if it doesn't come back around, wasn't important. So that whole point of in reflection, now you must remember and, and learn, it doesn't necessarily matter because we will have this conversation again and again and again. Yeah. And back, back to being organized, for me, it's consistency. So if you know, as part of every single session, there will be a catch up, there'll be a warm up, a main session, a cool down and some reflection, then let's have that chat next week or let's have that chat tomorrow. Don't stress yourself out that you haven't learned in, in, in commas. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I'm, I'm I'm saying to myself as you're saying that, that I have, I have definitely suffered from the pencil and pen writing learning. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll write that down. Oh, yeah, I'll write that down. And the, the ones where I'm actually completely immersed in the conversation, it's a feeling. I've walked away from that going, you know what? I don't know where I'm putting all my words in my head at the moment, but I feel really good after that session. And I feel like I could take that challenge on the next time. Born, how does that work in your world? I guess, you know, do you do you talk about learning? Do you talk about that as a focus with your coaches or do they with the with the parkers? Yeah, um, so we we had a fantastic, say fantastic, it's not been a good period being at home and doing all these video stuff. But it was for learning, for the coaching, because they went from being in a park and not being able to see themselves back to do, delivering online sessions. We were calling them and sending them the recording and saying, if you can do anything, watch your videos back. So the coaches started watching the videos back and they started saying, oh, I say that word all the time. I'm going to stop saying that word all the time. I'm going to stop doing that. Cause it, it, and the, but this part of my workout was awesome. So how can I replicate that to have my workout like that for the whole 30 minutes? And we saw an improvement, and the coaches will say it, to, say it to you as well, they just became better at delivering. And the only reason why they did that, because we didn't tell them to go and self-reflect. We said, this is your recording, have a watch. And everyone thinks they're an expert in themselves, which you should be. But you also, if you have the ability, you can really see what you're good at and what you're not good at. So back to what created earlier. Um, and when you, when you can see it, and then you can see the parkers communicating with you and getting excited and saying, brilliant session. Because we also learn people say more when they don't have to walk up to you and say it to your face. They can type it at the end of and get there, everyone get hurt. So a, a room of 80 people, probably not all 80 people can come to you, that was amazing. But if they, if they type it, they can. But suddenly we start having this feedback loop where um, coaches can watch themselves and they could see the amount of comments they were getting and how many parkers were not leaving their sessions because unfortunately it's quite brutal as well because you can walk into a session and unlike being in a park, you're not just going to pick your stuff up and walk out of the park, but you can, you can quite easily just hang up if, if you don't like it. So again, it, we have, so they had to work on starting the session very quickly, having a structure, so being organized, saying, okay, hi guys, we're going to start in, two, in, in 30 seconds and we're going to be doing this. So everyone knows so they have to be very clear now and then they have to demonstrate stuff that they're really good at demonstrating so what we saw was parkers kept asking for other stuff they said that was really good but can we do some abs next time and you had coaches be like i don't really like doing abs 
but then they had to do abs because they had that feedback and then they started doing abs and actually they loved doing abs and they're fantastic at doing abs and then what we saw was sessions improve uh, I, I can't put percentage on it but i i can honestly say to you that we have some of the best coaches now delivering online and when they come back to the parks which we're slowly rolling out the confidence is going to be through the roof yeah that's, i mean that's a brilliant turn and a brilliant slant on coaching adults because like i again i can only relate with the coaches that i work with very few of them have done that very few of them have videoed themselves and and similar comments one guy said to me gosh i sound boring my voice is so monotone. And then, you know, I was like, no, it's not. But that is, you know, the, it, like you said, the repetition of words, or I feel the same when I watch back on these recordings from, on Connected Coaches, I'll pop in and I'll watch and I'll go, oh, okay, here we go. What have I said this week? How have I said it? I could have said that there. What, you know, but I'm, I think it's really healthy for me to be able to do that and then critique and, and be open about that and then share you know, different. I think people become when they see that I'm willing to do it. Other people say, "Well, I'll try it. I'll only try the intro. See how my intro was." And if I said, "You know, the session is going to look like A, B, and C today," or "Here's what I think might be really useful for us to do today," and then look at what my debrief was or how I closed off a session. You know, where's the energy level? What language have I used? Am I using the same language that people can connect? So I can completely relate in in similar but different worlds that we're in. I think that's really, really um really valuable and I wonder with the attendees we have today here that everybody's listening how often have you been videoed or videoed yourself or mic'd up um, I think it's quite a daunting task for someone I can imagine people going hmm where do I position the camera and you know I obviously would have to get some permissions and stuff but can I do it and I would recommend on the back of what Bourne said there definitely yes I would say you know I know you could put it in a percentage Bourne but I would say it's right up there <laughs> almost 100% of everyone going yep I absolutely was really nervous and I feel a little bit embarrassed but now I'm smashing it um so I see I see the time yeah and I go on yeah I did some stuff so I'm doing my grade three wheelchair basketball award and I was really used to videoing games so I put GoPro at the end of the court video the game analyzing what the players were doing and then I was like I wish I knew what I was saying so the last few games that I coached before lockdown um I actually held my GoPro in my hand and I've now bought a, 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 uh, like a harness to put it on my shoulder so next time I coach a training session physically face to face I'm going to put that camera on my shoulder so I can hear what I say because I had I could debrief the game about what the players did but I had no idea what I said <laughs> and actually it's it is a bit of a challenge and you feel a bit of a pillock with a camera stuck to you or on your front or in your hand but it's an amazing way to look back at what you're doing and I think it born for you to say how much of a difference that's made to your coaches that's brilliant so that's definitely something I do for myself, but I want to now start doing it with my other coaches. Oh, great. Just stop them being afraid of it. So stay with you, Anna, for a second. Engagement is our, is our last one. And I mean, like the fact that you'd even be passionate and enthusiastic enough to start spreading that to your own coaches as well as the participants. How important? Well, no, we, should, we know it's really important, but what does it look like? How do you achieve engagement? And we talked about the planning and the organizing and all that. But for you personally, like what does engagement mean and look like? Um, I think it, it, and some of the things I've heard talks about being inclusive, doesn't it, and adapting activities. So that's the very nature of, of wheelchair basketball for us, that we've got players with and without disabilities, different ages, different disabilities then within, and then different abilities that aren't necessarily age-related. So I, I've got to make sure that my sessions can be adapted. So I can have a session plan on, I don't know, say we're going we're gonna to really focus on dribbling, um, strong hand and weak hand. But actually then even within that, I might end up with 
might have more of my players that have got limited ability on one hand or the other. So I've got to adapt to what I'm doing all the time. And I think rather than just going, oh, well, you can't do that. Let's just, I'll talk to everybody else. I have to make sure. And it's, there's a real kind of flying by the seat of my pants, I think, a lot of the time to go, oh, I've got this great session. Oh, it won't work. <laughs> yeah, I've got plan. Can't, can't do that skill. And that's not because they haven't tried. They just physically aren't able to do it. So, and, I, and it is about keeping it real and going, right, okay, how am I going to work this out for you? How, how can we make this drill work for you? Um, and that... It, I think I think the other thing from an engaging point of view is about <coughs> excuse me is about um, making sure that my players are all involved. So it's not just me coaching them and them doing me coach they do. It's about actually let's get someone else demoing something. Let's get right okay. Oh, say Neil, my my captain. Oh, Neil, Neil's just done that really well. Neil, show everybody else um, because I can sit there and demo the skills. But then actually, if I can up Neil's confidence because he's showing somebody else the skill. And it's about giving them all that little bit of responsibility then. So a number of my coaches are also players. So yeah. they, bits, they play other bits and we, we chop and change. And I think I used to be a bit of the mindset of here's my session plan and this is what it looks like all the way down to the end. <laughs> now I go with an idea. Here's some crucial things I want to get in it. But actually within that, if somebody else is delivering bits, then, then that's fine. And I think that then keeps them, keeps them engaged. So let's say let one of our little guys loves doing one certain drill. I'll get him to deliver that drill. Oh. And and that, they love it. They love it because yeah. they can show off a bit. Um, I mean, that's, that's fantastic. And how empowering for them mm. to be. And you will be engaged because, I mean, for those who are a little bit shy or more introvert, they may not go, gosh, I don't know if I have the confidence to do that. And, you know, been having a chance in a smaller group to go, actually, you know what, I can speak a little bit or I can try this out. And it's what they love doing. So usually people can be a little bit more forthcoming, forthcoming when they're confident in that, you know, activity. So yeah. I, I love that. Um, Craig, I, I mean, I know the time is pushing on here, but Craig, if you could give us um, a summary of the engagement part, what would that um, what would that look like if we've missed if, it? If anything, it's kind of building on Anna's point, but but taking it further in the context of my sport. So in terms of coaching adults, one thing to bear in mind here is that the individuals that I'm coaching can potentially do what I'm helping them do. The bit, the bit that I really add the value is maybe I'm the stimulus for consistency. I'm the hook that brings them back every week. That idea of if your friend's going, you'll go as well. So I take it to the nth degree with certain individuals um, who have the confidence to let them plan the session. I'll review it. I'll make sure that it ticks all the boxes that we're what we want to do. But when we think about the theory of self-determination, one of the bits is autonomy, gives them autonomy, which is more than choice. It's not should we go left, should we go right, although that's part of developing it. So absolutely, um, the runners come to me once or twice a week, depending on the level of the group that I'm working with. And the rest of that time, they'll run on their own or do their own thing. So tell me the routes that you've been on, whether cycling or running. Tell me, tell me the sessions that you run. How did they work? Should we do that? Should we not? Um, and that's part of the engagement. If they feel that there is a genuine collaboration or co-design to what's happening, that engages them in more than just the session into the idea of a 12-week program because they're in control of what's happening. So that, that's the bit that I would say. Um, that's really important. 
That is so fantastic. Brilliant. Um, Bourne, for you on the engagement, earlier on in the session, you mentioned the woe moment. And last week we talked, or wow moment rather, last week we talked about making your sessions unmissable. Now, we talked about the platform as well, but can you give any, um, I say advice, but can you give any um, any kind of inspiration to the people who've joined today around that engagement piece um, that extends uh, beyond the platforms to that wow moment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... So we, 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 help, we give our coaches a 10-point plan and that kind of gets them to, when you get to number 10 in that 10-point plan, that's your wrap-up, that's your wow moment, that's your everyone claps because it's over. And we almost, we, we, so we treat every session like an episode. So if you think about watching a film, there'll be, it will start a nice lovely beginning, then something will go crazy, it goes go on a chase, then you might get to some normality and there's another twist and then it ends really nice. And that and that's and that's what we do. So we the idea is that your session is an episode, whether it's EastEnders or if it's power, whether it's whatever, whatever you watch. And then within your episode, because you're everyone in your episodes tuned into the same things and they kind of like the same thing. So you already got a group that loves it. It's sometimes with engagement, we almost let the parkers give us what they don't want to do and give them a, so say it's, it's normally bird piece and no one likes doing bird piece. So we almost kind of bargain with them at some point to give them a bit of something they don't like to do, but we'll reward them. And in that whole kind of crazy mashup that we do at the end, it's getting them to that climax point, just to, but not, not, not too much. So not to the part where it's too hard for them. So you're always playing with looking at how everyone's performing. And you might say we're doing it for 45 seconds, but then you notice that they're not going to last 45 seconds. So you start counting down at 10 seconds, but in their head, they've done 45 seconds. So it's almost being a conductor um, to the session and not sticking back to what Anne said, not sticking to your schedule. Your schedule is just there to say, okay, this is what, this is what I'm going to play, this is how I'm going to win, this is the journey. But within that, you, you have to have agility to change based on your audience um and that and that and that's where we kind of get engagement get that wow moment and then we always say at the end when everyone's sweaty and happy share a photo and if they're smiling in the photo all they're going to remember is next next week oh yeah we had, we had so much fun we're smiling we did 100 bird bees but it was fine we had we smiled at the end so well, yeah <laughs> we smiled <laughs> You know, like I, I think if you said it in passing, and it's probably second nature to know with all the amazing stuff that you do. But like even clapping at the end of a session, I sometimes when I go to coaches, and again I'm speaking in a performance spaces, we get through with that time constraint A B C D E F, and then we go, okay, you know, great job. And from the basketball world, it was always a hands in, bring it together. When I started looking at other sports, it's like it wasn't as common to finish off a session together to give people that feeling like they've achieved something, or we'll come and we'll have a little bit of banter or chat about what we've just done and then we'll leave and that feel good feeling that is the marker isn't it for the next session like oh, you know what I got through it uh, we'd be at a camp or a one session or um, you know a half day or whatever it is so um, I think that's that's really powerful really interesting um, and having a, a plan that your coaches can follow during the session this is the halfway point so uh, where can I go from here and what kind of feedback have I have I gotten um, have I gotten on so yeah that's that's really interesting and um, to, to close off the session today next week 
we are entering into coaching week and uh, one of our pledges is to for athletes to give a shout out to coaches but what I would like you to do and I'll give you a moment because I haven't planned this um, I'd love you to give a shout out to a coach or somebody who has influenced you to be where you're at today and we could kick off um, coaching week pledges nice and early so Craig I'm going to put you on the spot first to give Anna and Bourne some time um, have, have you or a, a coach in mind that you would like to say you know I, I gave back in the world of coaching because of this particular person uh, yes I do and, and at last year's UK coaching conference we had our coaching stories and I'm sure if I find the little scribble that I made of there it'll be the same individual um, I'm lucky enough to be able to track back my entire career in coaching sports development and and so on back to my PE teacher Mr Towers if it wasn't for Mr Towers showing a bit of belief in the um, the over energetic and enthusiastic young Mr Blaine or Master Blaine I'm fairly certain I wouldn't be where I want to be so Frank Towers if you're listening thank you very much Yes, we'll spread the vibe on um, on Twitter next week and on coaching, on Connected Coaches for sure. Thanks, Craig. Anna, anybody come to mind? <laughs> I'm going to follow Craig's lead, really. But mine's the same. Mine's my PE teacher, the, the one and only Miss Bellis that anyone who went to Brynhoffridge School in Rithin will remember because she had a look that could kill. You didn't, shouldn't have to tell you off. You just got the look. <laughs> However going through school I wasn't particularly academic but for me being part of sport was the thing that gave me an identity I fitted in it was my it sport was my absolute world and she was the person really that made such a difference because she gave me an opportunity to help out in other PE lessons um, help out in after school clubs but and she gave me that responsibility so she, and she was strict she was tough and she'd tell me if I'd been rubbish <laughs> But do you know what that I will never forget the help that she's given me. And I'm I'm 48 now and I left school at 18. And this woman still has an impact on my life. And every now and then I meet her and and I'm forever saying I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it hadn't been for those stairs. <laughs> that look. And I know sometimes I do it to my players and I'm like, oh, my best Bellis look. But it's, it's about it's, that person gave me an opportunity to, to play, to coach, to encourage me, to, to give me somewhere that I fitted in. So, yeah, mine is a massive shout out to Miss Bellis, the one and only. Oh, thank you very much for sharing. Born, for, um, to close us off for the, the last time, I think I've said that two and three times now, and I just get more excited about chatting to you. Um, any coach that you'd like to give a, a shout out to? Yeah, um, okay. I, we're sticking to school. Let's see, you react, okay. Um, it, it, it was it was a coach, and then he became the headmaster at my school. Oh wow! And for me, it was I was really good at high jump. I didn't know I was good. I just used to jump really high as, you, as a teenager, um, and I didn't want to be a high jumper because it, I didn't want to wear lycra. Um, and and then there was an opportunity for me to go to the Catholic. Um, Youth Games, where to represent Great Britain, um, but we were very poor at the time, and we, and we couldn't afford to fly to Grand Canary. It was in Grand Canary, and I remember him and the school putting the money together and put me to put me on this trip um, to represent Great Britain, and never leaving my estate and never 
seeing anything other than my postcode and going to another country and meeting all these fantastic new people, that really changed my life forever. Because um, I realized it was more than just the, my, my friends who live on the estate and my next door neighbors to the world. Um, so I must always have to say, if, he, if I didn't go and if I didn't jump high as I could jump in those days, and it wasn't for him putting the money or raising the money, probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Oh my gosh, what a story. What three brilliant stories, three brilliant people um, and inspired to give back. Um, I, I hope everybody today has had an opportunity to to immerse themselves in this conversation, to think about their own coaching. There's some key words that I've popped down here that I'm um, fishing being one of them, Craig, I have to say, because um, I was thought, I thought you were luring towards the stalkering thing. And I, go, no, I see where he's going. I see where he's going. It's fantastic. Um, there's been some fantastic comments and questions here in the box. Joshua mentioned earlier on in the conversation about asking his athletes to vlog as a reflective practice and sharing that with the parents. So it was a brilliant idea. Different platforms connecting um, you know, and using the, the people acronym to look at behaviours and to think about, you know, if I video myself, what does that look like? What do I sound like? How am I engaging? Thinking about not just being super organised, but the, the the positivity that we kind of have to pull from all different areas. For, for those of you here and you need to, to get pen to paper to pop it in your calendar, next week, this is the last evening session because it's similar to what Bourne said about seasons and Netflix. And I think I've almost completed Netflix. Um, we are going to have a season finale and then we are going to take a small break and come back with, um, I can't say bigger meadow because we've had incredible guests for the last 20 weeks, 20 something weeks. But um, we are going to take more feedback in, review what we've done for the first season. So as you can see in the corners, we've nailed down today, Monday the 7th. Then um, tomorrow there's a session on psychological considerations for return to play. That's Tuesday and Thursday of this week. But next Monday, Rising Phoenix, for those of you who have had a chance to watch it, it is a phenomenal phenomenal documentary um 12 30 to 1 30 little bit of a change in the time for those of you who are back um and we will be spreading the word for people word for people who are back to work trying to get it in on the lunchtime slot and then friday 18th parents and coaches hashtag one team because we will be in the middle of coaching week um the cert you can get your cert from our uk coaching website so there's a link on the um ukcoaching.org forward slash we and those of you who have joined us will know that our connected coaches thread has a copy of this um, session today if there was which there was loads of stuff to pick up and if you like me picked up your pen to make notes and then came so engrossed in the conversation you did make the note listening back uh, and connected coaches and you can um you can join the thread there and add some comments or even some other great um, practices that you put in place. So um, without further ado, massive thank you for the guests today, our panelists. Great insights. Thank you for sharing your experience, giving up time last week in our planning and today to share. Um, and to everybody who's taken time today, you've started off your week on a fantastic note, let me tell you, 2.15 Monday slot, last afternoon slot. Um, so thank you for all your support. Thank you for your engagement today. And I hope you've enjoyed the session as much as I have. Join us at ukcoaching.org. Whatever you're doing to help people be active and improve, we can help you deliver great coaching experiences at a time to suit you.